What's the balance of words that build and words that destroy? What are you attending to and are you properly attending to it? I can't really navigate this world by myself and no one really could. We, we really need each other. Human beings are inclined towards the good. I don't have to explain it. I just believe it. I change my mind a lot because we grow up. That moment of using words not well during the day and then using the words at night, I'm sorry, was a game changer. Welcome to The Power Of with Noam Weissman. From Unpacked, I'm Noam Weissman, and you're listening to The Power Of. This week, The Power Of Love. The Power Of is brought to you thanks to the Mayberg Foundation and David and Deborah Magerman, as well as Cheryl and Gerald Hartman and the Crane Mailing Foundation. I've spoken a few times on this show about my wife, Razie. We've been married for over 10 years, so you'd think I'd stop speaking about her so often when I lecture, teach, and just generally live in a professional world. But... Luckily, this podcast isn't a regular professional world. It's a show in which I'm working my hardest to embrace these 10 big emotional themes. So how can I do that without speaking about Razy, especially this week and talking about love? Love is epic, which is why we had to bring this series of episodes to a close with it. If anything, I think it's the summation of all the topics we've spoken about how to disagree, how to forgive, how to engage with empathy. Love feels like the glue that binds it all together. As I always do, I have to bring in a quote. This one is a little bit different, speaking of love. This is something my father, Dr. Neil Weissman, has said that always sticks with me. My dad says, vulnerability is the currency of intimacy. And that analogy of currency is such a good one. You give vulnerability, and in exchange, you get intimacy, true depth, true love. It can be hard, downright impossible, and sometimes it doesn't work, and you get your freaking heart broken. But if we're making this a family affair, my sister-in-law, who yes, I love, said it best, relationships are not tennis. They are full contact sports. There is risk and there is reward. And I'm not just talking about romantic relationships here, by the way. I've had serious, intense friend breakups that have affected me just as much as romantic breakups. Heartbreak is equal opportunity. But so is the incredible feeling love that comes with that true vulnerability. To talk about this, I spoke with the legendary Mayor Kay. Mayor is all over the internet breaking boundaries and bringing joy wherever he goes. And he's most well-known for his YouTube channel, where he's posted hundreds of videos showcasing random acts of kindness. He has amassed over 300,000 subscribers to his YouTube channel. I've been a fan of Mayer for years, but this is our first conversation. And what a conversation it was. I wanted to ask Mayer, what are these videos about? What is love to him? How does he let himself be vulnerable? especially when he knows that sometimes it can be painful. How has love transformed him? There's so many different types of love. Like I love pizza, but not that kind of love. There is the love a parent feels for a child and a child for a parent. We spoke about the different contexts of love, the love we feel for our siblings and our friends, our romantic loves, our relationship with God. And of course, we discussed our love languages. More to come on that, but suffice it to say, my love language is Mayor K. Friends and family, ladies and gentlemen, I bring you the most vulnerable public conversation I've had in my life with Mayor K. 
Mayor, it is so awesome to have you on the show. Welcome to the power of. Thank you, Noam. Honored to, uh, to share space with you and uh, I'm excited to delve into this topic of L-O-V-E. I love it. Love. It's a big, intense and, and difficult and important word. And we're going to be exploring that word. I got to tell you something before we go into the word love and what it means. I used to be a teacher. I used to be a principal. And before every Tanakh and Talmud class that I taught, I would spend the first five minutes I would show a Mayor K video. No way. Yep. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That's so cool. It's wild because when I went out to create videos, I expected to go out and sit on these platforms like social media, YouTube, Facebook, whatnot, but I never really right. envisioned it to be pulled off the internet or shared in classrooms. And like, and they had people shared those like clips of like, Hey, my professor's like showing your clip in my like college university. Like, it's been it's been really wild to see the the, the expansion of that. So thanks, yeah, that's wild. Um, I, I hope it's rewarding. The reality is you're impacting so many lives, and with the positivity, with the love that you show in all of your videos. And so I wanted to thank you before we get started here for making this tremendous impact to not just the Jewish world, but to the world at large. Oh man, so thank you, man. thank you, man. Right back at you. Here's what I see in your films: the through line is love. Am I right about that? 100%. It's all about love. It's love, 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 kindness, seeing people, connecting with people, breaking down barriers. They're on the right path, 100%. Why love? Why love? It's a great question. Well, you know why? It's, I think it's a combination. And as I get older, I sort of connect the dots of my being and how I ended up where I am today. And we can unpack that. Um, but that being said, consciously and a little subconsciously, I grew up in love. My whole, my, my, the, the way I grew up in my background on a religious and community uh, social society, it was all about love and acceptance. I grew up Chabad, oh. uh, the, the leader of that movement, the Baba Cherebi, the Rebbe, was all about love. It was all about giving, all about obviously Israel. And, and it, it came out in many different ways, right? It was through like establishing Chabad houses and, and uh, communities around the world. It was how he opened up his his time to not just people who were Orthodox, but people who weren't Orthodox, people who weren't Jewish, politicians, right. singers, the whole work. So this was someone who had a, had a picture of him in my house, picture in my wallet. Yeah. And it, so the way I translated, the way I saw the Rebbe wasn't necessarily about his magnitude of how he knew so much Torah and how he was able to like speak 20 different languages. For me, what impressed me, what inspired me, even though I didn't really know that at the time as a kid, was his capacity to love and to accept all people. Um, that being said too, on, on the flip side, a more personal side as well, deeper side, I would say love, the reason why I give out so much love and create these circumstances for people to be able to tap into their inner love and connect with others is because I felt like I needed that a lot more in my life growing up. And so now as I'm older, I'm like, oh wait, I'm giving the thing that I want to receive back. And so that's you know as, as why I'm so attracted to that unconditional love. So you give love, and I want to come back to giving love, and you also sp spoke about the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and uh, we're actually at, at Unpacked. We're going to start a new series called Great Jewish Heroes, and the first one we chose was the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and one of the reasons for that is the love that Lubavitcher Rebbe showed the world, exactly like we were talking about, is something that we want everyone to learn about, and everyone should know about, should know about that. And it's interesting to hear that that person, did you meet the Rebbe? You know, I was young, but yes, I do. I have a couple of photos, a clip of me walking by like twice, but I was young. Uh, I was like one and a, like two and like three when I met the Rebbe, yeah. Okay, but meaning this person that you didn't really get to know yeah, yeah, yeah. personally, it nevertheless influenced you so much Tremendously. to want to share that love. But you also pointed to this idea that you wanted to teach about love, to share love, 
uh, because you want, you know, more love in your life and you're kind of searching for that. So the way to do that is by giving. So I want to hold on to that. I want to come back to that sure. in a little bit. Yeah. I want to go into love. The way we're going to do this is we're going to speak about love from like a global perspective. Then we're going to get into like personal romantic. Then we're going to get into God. Then we're going to get into friendship. And we're going to talk about love in all of these different contexts. Mm. So speaking about love in general. Have you read the Five Love Languages book by Gary Chapman? So, uh, yeah, it's a classic. I haven't actually read the book, but I did like, I think like 10 different types of these tests online, which sort of break down okay. yeah, the psyche. And, and I did get down to my, my, my top love language. Do you want to go first? Okay, or should so, I? Le- so, so, okay, so before we get into <laughs> okay. these love languages. I'm excited. Okay, okay. by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited too. I, you know, I, we're, we're sharing this with audiences that we ne- haven't necessarily spoken to. Like they're, you know, so it's going to be interesting before I share with my wife uh, what my love languages are. We're going to be sharing with all <laughs> of these public, yeah. <laughs> listeners. But so the, the Gary Chapman in, in the book uh, spoke about five different love languages. The first one is words of affirmation. The second one is quality time. The third is gifts. The fourth is acts of service. And the fifth is physical touch. So I'm going to start with you, okay. Mayor. You're my guest. Okay. You know, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, so, so in all the inventory that you've done and all the analysis you've done, the self-reflection, which, which are your love languages? I was surprised. Why? And this may be like the classical male, you know, way of loving is physical touch. I thought physical touch would be my number one. Um, and, you know, I'm the hugging guy and the high five guy, different. But actually, number one for me was, is uh, quality time. That is really, that is, yeah, that is for me, quality time is number one. Number two is physical touch, but number one is quality time. No, by the way, I don't know you very well, Mayor, and I had a very strong reaction to your number one being quality time as though I know you well. And I'm like, what, Mayor? That's so not you. Um, but, but I know. <laughs> which I, was doesn't really I was like, truly? And, and that made me go back to like, okay, no, no I got to do a different test. No, no. And it was just coming back to quality time. It's so interesting because when I watch your videos, I mean, your video on just hugging everyone, mm-hmm. you know the video I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, just, yeah. Sure. Um, the one with the blindfold hugs? Yeah, the blindfold hugs. The blindfold yeah. hugs. Yeah. Goosebumps like the entire time. But I also felt like, well, this must come from a place also from a love language perspective that you feel like showing that love, the best way to do that is by by, by physical touch, that, that, that hug, that moment that we get a hug from a, a significant other, mm. or a hug from a stranger, yeah. just that feeling, that embrace. Um, and the reason I think that it's interesting is one of the mistakes that some of us make is that the love languages that we appreciate we think that other people appreciate as well. It's a good call. Right? So let's say my love language is acts of service, okay? And then I'm doing dishes, and afterwards I'm like, check me out. Yeah. Right, right. You're <laughs> the man. Good, yeah, right? yeah. I'm pretty good. Showing up. Pretty good. <laughs> so pretty good. And she's like, yeah, okay, cool, good, nice. Because while I might appreciate acts of service, that's not her love language. Right. So you hear what I'm saying? Like there's a difficulty of like mm. dealing with the thing that I love versus – Totally showing the love language to someone else. Totally, and so honestly, someone else's love. Right, so you would think so, right? And I thought so too. Physical touch, and it's a very powerful one. It is number two in my in my in my love language sphere. Yeah. However, for me, what I've realized on the streets and like this, when when I'm in these circumstances where I'm really, it's really touch and go. What is the quickest thing that one could give that is okay. a love, you know, language or a way of connecting with somebody? And that's usually through you know a physical touch or a high five, a hug. You know, that kind of, I mean, words of affirmation as well could be something quick. You know, I do throughout the, I do have like my compliment videos I put out there and compliment people and those do very well and people really take to it. Um, but, but I, I do draw to physical touch, but when it comes to me and my own personal love language and when 
and specifically when I have time, when there is time to deep dive with somebody, I love that. I always love being in a social scene, but as I get older, I get more like to know myself more. I actually appreciate mm -hmm. speaking to like one, two, three people throughout the evening, just to get to know them, have that intimate conversation, right. get to know who they are, what they are, what they struggle with, how can I help just like going there. And so that for me, and I've heard this, I think maybe it was Dr. Edith Eager. I'm trying to remember who exactly. I may be misquoting here, but they said that another word for love is another four letter word, which is time. And time mm. is another way of another, you know, example or a definition of what love is. There is no person that my parents, or specifically my mother, quotes more than Dr. Edith Eva Eager. Mm. So, I ma mad respect for you for for throwing that out there. Amazing. But no, what is your love language, and and have you shifted the way of loving once you found out what that is? I would say that words of affirmation mean a lot to me. And I think that my colleagues know that, and I try to do the same for them. And, and what, but by the way, they words of affirmation not, might not be their their love language right. often. So, but for me, like I want someone to demonstrate that they, you know, if I did something good for them, that you know that that it's recognized. I don't. What I really, my love language is absolutely not is gifts. Yeah. So like that 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 that's like a two. I used to work with somebody who would like. I don't know, buy the, the fanciest scotches or like whatever. Some people it is, by the way. But for you me, it. it's like, okay, like scotches. Yeah. Okay. If you're over 21. Yeah. But of course. Um, of course. Of course. I mean, it depends what, you know, Grom Chabad, you know, Bar Mitzvah. Yeah, it's all good. It's fill on. Here's all fine. Let's go. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I definitely hear that. I connect with you on that as well. So that's, it's interesting when, and you point that out very well, like again, to, to be conscious of what other people's love languages is so you can speak that language to them. And then a real loving person will ensure that the subject of their love gets the type of love that they deserve and that they want and that they earn, right? So like, um, so we gotta, we gotta figure those things out. I think that I, my wife's not here. Her, her name is Razy, so let's just call her Shout Razy. out to Razy. Razy I, I, How long you guys been married Razy. for? Uh, that was too long, 12 years. 12, um, years. 12 years, we've been married, 12 years. What's yeah. the trick, we got man, married 12 young. years. The trick is to figure out each other's love languages and then to, and then to go all Let's in go. on that, you know? Let's so. go. <laughs> wow. Wow. Are you married, man? I'm not married. I am actually in a relationship. I would say my first healthy one in my life. Um, really? So yeah, at 31, um, I'm in this relationship and boy- You're only 31? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 31. Oh my gosh, you're 31. That's incredible. It's amazing. And, and this relationship, talking about love, and, and we may go through this conversation, but boy, have I learned a lot about what it means to, to yeah. love and to be in relationship and to, and, and to, and to grow in that. We're definitely, we're definitely going to go into that. We're definitely going to go into that. Um, and the romantic. Right. So when, I, so when I'm asking, so when I'm asking about tricks for like a long-term relationship, I'm asking for a friend, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. asking for, yeah. I, <laughs> to the listener, I heard that loud and clear asking for a friend. Yeah. What's the deal with that? So I, I was, I want to get personal. I want to speak about romantic love for a little bit here. There is a Scottish writer named Robert Louis Stevenson who said, you can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. Uh, I think that's not Stevenson's idea. I think it's a great one. But in Judaism, the shoresh, the root of the word ahav, aleph, hey, vet, is the same shoresh, the same root, which is in Aramaic for yahav, yud, hey, vet, which means to give. Right mm. to to get to love is to give to give is to love right so to Edith Eva Eager if it's there's another four letter word which is 
um, which is give, G-I-V-E, which is synonymous with love, just like T-I-M-E, which is synonymous with, with love, which I love, which I love. So getting personal with you and thinking about love from a romantic sense, how have you been transformed in your new relationship status? Mm. It's a great question. So I totally agree with that idea. And, and I think capital P truth that uh, give G-I-V-E is another way to say love, L-O-V-E. Um, I've learned that through my experience that through my volunteering work by showing up for other that I, that, that I, I come to know myself and love myself more and, and just feel that bond of like this love. You can't, you can't necessarily see it, but oh boy, you could feel it. Um, yeah. and, uh, and so the more I give, the more, you know, by just doing the different things in my life, whether it's through the videos and creating those, 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 those scenarios, or even going to Camp Simcha for a bunch of summers and like giving it my all. And it just sort of like this incredible energetic battery. Like you just, the more like you, you may seem like scientifically, oh, you stay up all these nights in a row and you give all this energy you may be feel depleted and tired, but it's not true. The more the, I get more energized by doing all that, it doesn't make sense. But I think it's definitely a spiritual yeah. principle, as you mentioned in this universe, that this is that this that we live on. That the more you give, the more you get back, the more energy you get, and and you re really are able to tap into what love is. Um, it's really less about chasing after, but just by doing it, it's sort of like happiness by being in it, by taking the action. It leads you to this place, to this place of nirvana, place of love, and the more so that that so I've experienced love in the giving sense through friendships, yeah. through volunteer work, but more recently, like you mentioned, to segue into your, the, the romantic relationship, this is a very new thing for me, and I think the reason why, and for many different reasons, why previous relationships haven't worked out, and there are many few and far between. It was it's not like I've I've actually avoided romantic relationships um, for many different reasons because man, intimacy, vulnerability. Do I have to say more than that? But um, yeah. So I've, I've given it in different ways, but now in this romantic relationship, I'm being seen in a different way. And then, and then like by, you know, by this person seeing me in different ways and shining a light in different places in my being, and maybe perhaps even some of the dark places of my, of my shadow parts mm. and holding that I'm able now to tap into a whole new, new level of mayor and give from a new place. And then that allows me to feel, let's say love, right. Feel love that I never been able to express before or share before or feel before because I never had that dynamic. So every dynamic, every relationship, you know, shows something else. The love that I can receive from my parent, the love I receive from a friend, the love I receive from my camper is, is all very special, all very unique from each one. And now the one I receive from my partner is, is a new one. And, and it's, and it's initially sort of uncomfortable too. It's like, Whoa, what am I feeling here? What am I seeing here? Uh, but by her giving now I'm able to give back. And, and right. there's, and that in love, I would say is also a heal H E A L this healing here as well. That's taking place. And so by the more giving that wow. we give to each other, we do this dance. She opens up more. I open more. I open more. She opens up more. And that's like right. intimacy, right? That's intimacy into me. I see into me. I see I'm able to see uh -huh. into myself, into her. I was going to ask you towards the end of our conversation, I'm going to be getting into that and uh, talking about vulnerability. So. I just read, I just heard this idea from Leon Cass. Leon Cass is this really thoughtful and perspective scholar um, at the University of Chicago. And this is something I've thought about, you know, if we're doing like tips on, on marriage, um, uh, still, still focus on that. Let's, so Leon Cass, um, he speaks about love on this recent podcast with David Brooks. And what Leon Cass 
points out is that it's really easy to love someone when the sun is shining, but can this person get in the boat and row against the stream when things are tough? That's love. That's love. That reminds me of that quote. I'm going to paraphrase it where like, if you want to enjoy someone's summer, you have to also enjoy, you know, be with them in their winter. In the winter. Yeah. It's a very similar idea. It's the same idea. actually. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I'm lucky to have people, a few people in my life who are like that. Um, my parents, my siblings, some of my closest friends. But when I think about Razy, when I think about my wife, the, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is that when I've gone through the crappiest parts of my life, the worst parts of my life, without a doubt, the person who is there with me, Yomam Valayla, day and night, all the time, was my wife. So when I heard Leon Cass describe love that way, first of all, I thought of my wife, but also I thought like this is a really important idea to share with many of us, with I think with anyone who's listening, to think about, you know, the reality is that love is not always going to be sun shining. That's not the love experience. It's really not. Mm-hmm. And the test of love is going to be very much so when you need a row against the stream, is that person there with you? Yeah. So do you have people like that in your life that when things are not good, you row against that stream yeah. and that they row against that stream? And are you that person for other people? Mm, yeah, I've been a good sponsor because I, there are a few names and people that are coming to my, in, in my life. And then I think about how grateful I am. I'm going to that from this, this, to this place of gratitude because I do, I do have those people in my life. I have some incredibly close friends, uh, close friends who know, who know it all. And I've shown up in, the, in that way for them too. And it, it really entered a new level of companionship and relationship, friendship, because when I was able to be vulnerable with them. So I remember one particular friendship that we were very close. We were best, we are best friends. We were best friends. We traveled the world together. We've done a whole lot of crazy you know, stuff together. However, when I was able to go to a place of vulnerability, deep vulnerability with him and open myself yeah. up, I, it was, it was a, to a place where I was like, I know he's my best friend, but will this be too much? And he accepted it with, right. with love and compassion and non-judgment, didn't judge me at all. Then he opened up me next day with something else. Yeah. And then we just entered a new stratosphere of friendship, which I never knew he could even exist. I thought he was my best friend. I thought we topped it off. That was it. Pop. Right, that's and then it. boom, we went. <laughs> we just like opened up like a whole new stratosphere. And now we're just growing in right. that. So by showing up in a very vulnerable space, I know Brene Brown talks a lot about that. Um, it, it brought us so much closer together. So the answer is yes, I have experienced that. And now being in a relationship, I now understand what it means work. You know, I understand we're, talk- we're doing all right. these like comparisons of four letter words. So like W-O-R-K, yeah. work, love. I think work is the love, right? <laughs> it's like, I get it. My parents like, we're saying, or grandparents, oh, it's love, but also work. I'm like, what are you talking about? What's that even mean? Right. And now here I am in this relationship and I do, I love, I love my partner. And it's time to get super tough. And like, we have to work at ourselves. And because this person is a straight up mirror to who I am. And it's like, normally, right, when I'm out there in the world, we know this 101, like awareness 101. If I'm judging somebody, it's usually because I'm judging myself on that same particular mannerism. So like, when I'm, when I'm like looking at my partner, I get upset about something or get annoyed about something. I'm like, wait a second, that's just a mirror for me to look at it. And it's not because constant, she's there always. And so I'm, I'm, the work is always there. And yes, there's beautiful moments and there's incredible times. And every time we work, do work through something and it's tough, but the reward is so incredible because just like my friend, my friendship was with this one particular friend, it opens up a whole new dynamic of our relationship. And now we're able to go to a whole new depth of being that I never knew could exist. And what that is the payoff, because when I go about 
and just like have, let's say, quick flings with people in my life, it's fun, it's exciting, and, but it only hits a certain level of relationship. Um, mm. And it doesn't go any further because the first bump or second bump in the road, but yeah, forget about it, let's go somewhere else. And when I stick it out with somebody, and then we go in this relationship, we go deeper and deeper, there's, there's a new level of excitement that can never exist in the short term, okay. that can only exist in a long-term relationship. And yes, there's certain payoffs to that, or certain sacrifices, I'm sorry, that don't, you know, yeah. we have to find new ways of excitement, new ways of being, that flirtation of that new, doesn't exist yet. We have to find it. However, on a much deeper level, I feel so much, it's a full body experience that it cannot exist other than when I commit to my one person and she commits to me. I, I that that is the that commitment I think is the antidote to loneliness. And I can we learn some Torah together for a minute here? Are you cool with that? Oh, please, let's go. Teach me. Talk Torah to me. I'm with you. <laughs> so, the relationship between love and loneliness is described at the very beginning of Genesis, the beginning of Bereshit, when God is searching for a partner for man among the animals. Nobody's su- suitable. It says, "Lo tov hayot adam levado eselo." which means there, there was no one who was fitting for Adam. So I'm going to make him, you know, I'm going to make him a helpmate of sorts. And what Aviva Zornberg points out in her psychological thriller, I would call it, um, the, the beginnings of desire reflections on Genesis. She notes that it's really only achieved the relationship between uh, th- this loving relationship between man and eventually woman it's only achieved when man himself comes to recognize the pains, the pains of solitude. And I heard this description of marriage in this way. A great description of marriage is it's a 50-year conversation. Mm-hmm. So pick someone who you can talk to for the rest of your life. That's what marriage is. Having that ability to have a conversation, right? Not a monologue with, not I say this and you listen, right? Or vice versa, You speak and I listen, but a person that you're going to have a 50-year conversation with, and because there's a deep relationship between love as an antidote to loneliness. And when we genuinely find that other person that that helpmate, that person who's together with us, that either that mirror that is able to reflect for us on the things that we love about ourselves, things that we struggle with ourselves, and also to help bring out the best version of ourselves. And then we do that same thing for that other person. Mm. How does that all sound to you? I couldn't, I couldn't agree more, man. Torah is the best. I'm telling you, there's so much truth. I do a whole lot of reading when it comes to um, self-development books and self-help books and all that kind of good stuff. I listen to podcasts and TED Talks, all the good stuff. But like I, now that I'm rediscovering Torah and as an, you know, as an adult – and like really choosing to do it and choosing the topics that excite me. That's the best. By the way, by the way, rediscovering Torah as an adult, it, it's crazy. Crazy. I'm, it's I'm, amazing. It's amazing. It's t- it literally takes all the self-development books that I'm reading and peels it back an extra layer. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yes, and you know, it's like the best improv right, book yeah, for yeah. like learning. Yeah. So it's so when you when, <laughs> when you read that, it's like, yeah, duh, like, yes, I get it. You know, I've heard it in so many different languages and quotes, but like Torah just hits it, man. It hits my soul. So yes, and my, and I've experienced that. Like I've experienced that. The pains of solitude and loneliness. I mean, and that sort of touches on the videos and the topics that I try to bring out in my, you know, my experiments, my social experiments with people experiencing homelessness, or my reason why I'm invited to talk to young adults in in high school, middle school, high school, and colleges to talk about, you know, companionship, friendship, leadership, loving yourself. Because I know what it means like to be alone. I had been depressed for for a bunch of my years growing up, 
I've struggled with loneliness. Loneliness has led me to the darkest places in my, in my life. And it's also been like the, the bedrock in which I was able to build on to go ahead and to start learning what a healthy relationship looks like, friendship, connection, romantic relationship. So it's, it, it was, it, that's my own personal story. I don't necessarily think everybody has to necessarily go to those deep, dark places of loneliness right. to, to feel it. But I know, I'm sure everybody could relate to the fact that you could be in a, in a room filled with people or in a city filled with people and yet feel lonely. We all know what that feels like, Absolutely. right? And that's something that we all going to go through life too, right? We all going to die alone, no matter how close we are to our partner. So there's always that little angst or perhaps that little pain deep inside us that we are sort of afraid of, or we sort of want to maybe numb or stay away from. But once we, I, I think from my experience, sit in it and able to be, you know, the difference between solid, be, being alone or lonely, you know, you could be alone with yourself yeah. in a healthy, like once I've recognized that I could be alone with myself and that's all through a practice of coming to love myself, right? I'm only able to love somebody else once I know how to love myself, um, then I'm able to enjoy that alone time, going out to the mountains for right. four days and traveling and backpacking and doing my own thing rather than just being alone in my own house and isolating myself from the world because I'm afraid or fear and all that, all that stuff. So um, I may be on a tangent right there. No, but no, I love that. Not a tangent at all because I think that the solitude that you're talking about, the, the loneliness that you're talking about, it, yes, it happens in a big city and the ability to be alone and not feel lonely uh, is a special thing. Now, speaking of the alone and not feeling lonely, th th this is part of the conversation about a love of God, okay? Because I want to speak a little bit about that, which is God is some being that for many people we can't even speak about. It's like, let's not do this whole God thing. It's too divisive. Yeah. It's too much. Listen, you're a student of Lubavitcher Rebbe. There's another student of Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Adin Steinsaltz. Um huh. Uh, of blessed memory. Beautiful, yeah. And and Rabbi Steinsaltz says something I want to read to you and then I want to talk about. He says, there's no essential difference between the love of God and the love of man. But since the love of God is not described in so many publications sold at corner kiosks, like those you know self-help books you're talking about, with illustrations and cartoons, the matter seems to be much more difficult. Sure, there's difficulty. Love of God depends on one's ability to be aware of him, not in the sense of one's knowledge of what is written in this book or another, but in terms of personal consciousness. So I think loving God is really important, certainly from an instrumental perspective. Like it's important to not feel lonely and to always have God by, by our sides. Shiviti Hashem Lenegdi Tamid, I place God by my side always, sure. always, right? How do you get there? What spiritual practice has Mayor Kay taken on to ensure that there is love of God in his life? Like, how do you do that? That's a great question. Um, the way, before I jump into that, I was, I was curious to know, I was sort of throw it back at you. How has God, sure. the relationship with God changed between you growing up, let's say 14, 15 to the relationship you have with God now today? Oh, I'm a, I'm a complicated soul, Mayor. If you're going to be going, if you're going to be asking me love of God questions, my mom told me that when I was three years old or two years old, I asked my mother um, why it is the case that uh, uh, we don't believe in Jesus and why we believe in <laughs> why we believe as Jews, why we believe in the one and only God. And we started having like wow. apparently she tells the story these intense conversations about these things, and she's like, "You're going to be." You're going to be a complicated soul if this is what you're thinking about. <laughs> oh Wacko. Um, but but so my 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 concept of God, like I think for most people, used to be uh, this uh, you know man in the sky with uh, a big beard. It, it was exclusively about 
reward and punishment yeah. uh, in many ways when I was much, much, much younger. And then my wife likes to describe that her conception of God was uh, the Michelin man in the sky. Like that's what she sees. Like yeah. this, like, like this, like sweet ghost, like doughy ball or whatever. And, and, you know, we, we, we tend to view God in that way uh, as we're younger. And as I got older, I never had an image of God. I stopped having this image of God and I started um, kind of, thinking more from a Kutzker perspective. The Kutzker Rebbe was this great rabbi that lived in the 19th century who was really, really difficult um, in many ways and also had moments of, of darkness in his own life. And he would say, like, the, the re love is, like, placed on your heart, and then it's on your heart, but you got to let it in. And so you love God when you let God in, and you um, it's there for you, but you got to bring God into your life. And the way I I've chosen to do that in my life is by imitating God. So whenever I imitate God, which is, you know, the educational or the fancy Latin term is imitatio Dei. Mm -hmm. So whenever I'm imitating God, then I feel a love for God. So I guess an example would be tzedakah of giving money to people who are less fortunate than me, or people giving money to organizations that really matter. When I do that, and I invest and I make someone else's day better. And this is, Mary, you do this better than anyone, right? Is I, I feel God. I, I feel that godliness within me, right? Like if someone were to say to you for, for college students, does God care about you? Does God sh show justice? Uh, is, is God kind? A lot of college students would be like, nah, nah, and nah, God is not, God is not, God is not. I don't know what God is. But if I were to say to you um, that caring is a form of godliness. Kindness is godliness, right? Is divine. I think many of us would be like, yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. That's true, Yeah, right? And so there's this distinction between defining how God views the world and defining character traits which are divine. And I find that really, for me, uplifting. Um, and that's when I feel God the most, when I'm able to behave in a divine sort of way is that more than what you were asking for is that more than you bargained for <laughs> no that's great I'm, How do you feel I'm, I'm sucking it all in this is amazing my next question would be is like you know do you think because we're talking about love relationships like do you think it's important that your partner believes in the same god as you do absolutely not i would say that's my take i should i should be more humble in my response fair in my opinion in my opinion, <laughs> I think absolutely not. Um, <laughs> God, even though, I even would, though, even though God and I was, I'm, maybe I'm just, I'm just assuming here. Even though God yeah. slash maybe religion is a big part of your relationship, life, upbringing of children, you still necessarily yeah. have to believe in the same way or practice the same way. No way, no way, because that that is stripping someone's humanity away from them. We all have, like we said earlier, we, we have all different love languages. If I made Razy have a love language that was about, you know, acts of service when her love language is about quality time, then that's not fair to her. So if she connects to God, let's say through singing Zemiro, sing, singing songs, um, and I connect to God through learning a really uh, ridiculously challenging piece of Jewish philosophy, why would I want her to ha connect to God in that way if it doesn't work? And by the way, I think in the Jewish educational system, we have to pay a lot more attention to this. I'm preaching, but let's let everyone connect to God in their love language. Mm. Let's let everyone express their love language. If we force love languages upon people, it's never going to work. And I think that maybe 
That's part of the challenge of why there's attrition in the Jewish world, why less and fewer and fewer Jewish people are deeply connected to God because, or, and to Judaism. There are more Jews of no religion. It's because of the fact that I think we're telling people, here's what it means to love God. No, no, no. There are so many different ways to love God. Of course, there are mitzvot commandments. Of course, there's Jewish law, halacha. Yes, yes, and yes. Great. And, yes, and, right? right? That's there right. are so many, totally. so many ways to express that. Totally. That's my take. Totally. I love that. And it's like, I sort of like, it's sort of a rhetorical question, but I loved, I love that you opened up in that way and, and you went down that direction because that is something that, and just like, I grew up in a system where I believe that it was a lot more restricted, a lot more black and white and the gray, you know, scared people. And it's like, okay, you got to fit into this yeah. box. And I think the, the, at least the Orthodox world has gotten a lot more compassionate towards the souls and young people boys and girls who who have different versions or want to explore and, and just have different ways of connecting to god to judaism to to themselves and and and, and totally agree and that being said there's still stuff that i have to work through in my relationship to recognize oh wait that's too much like that's too much that way of connecting to right. god is, is is too hippy dippy for me but i was like oh wait actually let me appreciate it. how can i learn to appreciate it? how can i learn from that way of practice and how lucky i am that my partner wants to create uh, wants to create a relationship with god in her own way so yeah. um yeah. that that is something that um, and that's a win that's massive a win, win massive right? win oh it's beautiful it's beautiful and it allows me to also like explore within myself of like and be a little less judgmental of myself when i don't connect necessarily to a way of connecting to god to the way i've been brought up in and just like learn to explore is this antiquated of me to say that like you have two people you can't see us who are wearing funky hats like we think we're like i don't know <laughs> broy or not and like we're talking about the most like vulnerable concept possible which is love and intimacy and vulnerable connection um i don't know it's amazing i think it's beautiful and especially that we just met each other you know for the first time you know 20 minutes ago i just want to answer your question about like god and how god shows up so i asked her like mayor my my spiritual practices to connect with god are they vary but like i don't necessarily connect with god going to uh, shul the way i you know i don't know if i ever really did reading from a from a text that i didn't really understand and connect with and and that, and it's beautiful and, and the camaraderie and the community I love, but now the way I connect with God and connect with my God, because by gosh, I had to make God personal to me and not just, you know, this idea of what God is and, and, and overall arch, like this overall cloud man in the sky, like is by spending time in nature, by having deep, meaningful conversations, which I find God showing up. Um, in conversations with friends, with these deep connections that I have, God shows up there. I get those answers that I'm looking for through those conversations, through an embrace. Uh, the more I practice meditation, the more I practice journaling, gratitude, Moda'ani has a whole new deeper meaning and practice when I wake up in the morning. It, it's, you know, I, it's sort of- Moda'ani. Moda'ani being the- yeah. Moda'ani, yes. When the, the first, the, the traditional prayer that's, um, that, that Jews wake up to and say, it's, it's a great, uh, thank you God for turning my soul. Um, so, and, and, yeah. and it's like, so cool to like, look back, it's like, oh, wait, we're taught gratitude from the first thing we wake up in the morning. Cool. I love that. Let me take that practice and like write down 10 things a day and like, you know, practice and meditate yeah. as to why, why I appreciate the things in my life. And then scientifically you start reading the books and how that scientifically changes the neural pathways in your brain. Oh my gosh, how cool. Like, so, um, it's cool yeah. to say like, connect Torah and science in that manner. So by, by take, spending time alone, not in, in, in a healthy manner, being in nature, by 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 meditating by uh, by by connecting with the prayers that I connect with in my tradition and saying those over um, in a practice um, by by spending time with 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 friends uh, who are who I could go there quote unquote with uh, these are ways for me to connect with God and, and how God connects with me. 
I think it's beautiful. I want to. I want to also. Uh, I, and now I want to speak about the vulnerability, the intimacy of love in terms of our friendships. So the uh, one of the greatest medieval scholars of all time, Maimonides Rambam, uh, wrote a great. He wrote a great uh, commentary, and he speaks about friendship. This these ideas from Rambam from Maimonides comes from Aristotle actually. And he talks about three different types of friendship, three levels of friendship, okay? Level number one of friendship is friendship of utility. The friendship of utility is someone that gets something from someone else. It could be, you know, I go to the Grove, shout out to the Grove um, here in South Florida. You know, I go, I hang out with the, with the woman by the counter and she's like selecting like the challahs or the baked goods or whatever it is. And we have a nice relationship, but I give her something, money, she gives me something in return, um, a delicious Danish. And uh, yeah. that's our relationship. It's a, And it's developed into like a friendship of sorts, right? And many people have all different types of friendship. It's friendship of utility. That's one level. The second level that Maimonides speaks about uh, is a relationship that is a, a love that is based on fun, that is based on pleasure. So, you know, that could be somebody who loves playing tennis and they say, hey, let's go play tennis together. It could be someone who loves going to the mountaintop with you in, in nature and say, hey, we both like this. Let's let's have fun doing this. And it's that sort of friendship. It's that sort of relationship. Whatever the thing is, golfing, whatever, whatever the interest people have, video games. Okay. The third level, and this is the highest level, of, of a friendship is the type of friend, right? That he calls, uh, Rambam says, the type of relationship that is about hatov, which means the good, the pursuit of good. And Rambam describes this relationship, this is so interesting. Mm. I never saw this, as a relationship between a teacher and a student. He says, that is the ideal relationship in Judaism. Um, the ideal relationship in general, it done well, obviously, when you have a friendship that is not about what I get from you, not about what you get from me, and not about that we both like doing the same thing, but that we're both pursuing the good together. Mm. Any relationships you have like that and that you could talk about? Yeah, totally. I mean, that, that's so, again, another great piece of like Torah and wisdom from our people. A hundred percent. And it's, it's been cool to see also how sometimes like how the levels of friendship grow, like so, start off as like more of a transactional type of friendship and then moved up into like, yeah. oh, you love doing this too. And then, but yeah, I would say that in my life, I'm, I'm lucky enough and fortunate enough to have um, friends in all those categories. And by far, it's, it's beautiful to have that, you know, the category and where we're like, we're in that pursuit for goodness. And like, we become each other's like biggest fans and cheerleaders and like, having those questions and debates yeah. and like just to be able to go and like stay up late at night, go on a mountaintop and to be able to like, you know, go, go ahead and then like talk deep about like what it means to be good and how can we be better and like look at our shadow parts of ourselves and like, Hey man, and, and be to a level of honesty and truth. Where we're able to help each other and say, Hey, I know you can do better here or go, you know, and, and, and do this a little differently perhaps. And, and I can receive that and give that where the ego is, re is released and it's really coming from a place of love and not fear. Because when I think where we go ahead and have conversations from a place of fear, the opposite of love, I would say, yeah. it's, it's a lot more holding on to and grasping and like, you know, I have to control you. And, but rather when we come from a place of love, like I love you, I want to see you flourish and grow. Um, and this could happen in romantic relationships or not. 
then it's like, oh my God, like what is else's life about? Like, this is, this is it. This is godliness. When like two people come together, you know, even says like when, when, uh, when two, when two Jews come together, um, there it's two Yitzhatobes against one Yitzhahara, right? It's, it's two good inclinations versus one evil inclination because the evil inclinations in and ourselves are very selfish. When it, when, when the good inclinations wow. are selfless, they're all about love. So it's a two for one battle. That's why we're able to go ahead and create a whole lot more possibility within ourselves when we work with, a, when we acquire a friend, when we acquire a good friend or a mentor or someone who loves us and we love them, we're able to have a lot more growth. That partnership is because it's two versus one in those circumstances. So um, thankfully I do have those types of conversations and friendships and relationships in my life where I'm able to go ahead and say, um, and, and really focus on that bigger plan, that bigger mission. And that's one in my dating process now and I've been like, and people express this to me while dating here as a tip, young man, um, is to, um, yeah. is to, is to like really find someone who you're able to like build that mission with. Not necessarily does it have to be like, you both have to be filmmakers and create the most ultimate film that brings God into this world, you know, but to have that overall art of like, okay, we both want to bring goodness into the world. We want to create a home where, you know, X, Y, and Z, these values are, are accepted and loved and cherished. And, uh, and that I think I find to be a truth. When I, when seeking and building a relationship with my partner right now is like, what are you, what, what are you passionate about? What do you want to work towards? What's your biggest project for, you know, not just like, okay, for today to pay the bills, but to, to create in this lifetime. And how could I help you in yeah. that? And how, you know, perhaps, you know, how could you help me become the best version of myself so we could go ahead and, and create something beautiful in this world that didn't exist when we, when we're not together, but rather when we're together, this third thing appears. See, see for me, mayor, when I think of these friendships, you know, when I'm going through something tough, I feel bad burdening my friends. And there have been times where I've gone through something difficult, whatever that thing is, in my life, and I don't want to burden my friends. And uh, what I've learned with time, actually, is that the closest friends you have invite that burden upon you. They, they invite it. They want it. And it's it's not a burden to them. It's it's an expression of the friendship. So I view it in the same way. Like as for me to be a good friend, mm. and this is an idea I heard from David Brooks. To be a good friend means to invite my friends to burden me, and it's a treasure. It really is a treasure to have someone share with me and to say, "Hey, listen, I'm leaning on you. I'm st I'm I'm stuck, and I need you." And so. For my closest friends, I so appreciate their ability and their willingness to allow me, so to speak, to burden them, and mm. I invite that to them as well. So for I, I invite yeah. them to me as well, and I want to do better at that. I'm not saying I'm great at that, but it's something that I'm conscious of, and it matters to me. True, like why and why limit their capacity to love and to hold by your own fear of what you're, you know, what you're going to share, and exactly. or perhaps your own limitations. You know what I mean? Like give them exactly. the chance to show up for love. Give them a chance to show up yeah. for friendship. When I'm like vulnerable or yeah. open, you know, and, and this is like say applies to my parents, for example, it allows them to level up and step up and to and to hold me in a different way and, and to and to mature our relationship and to have talk about conversations other than like, did I eat enough today or they'll put on a sweater and it's cold outside. You know, like, you know, they're able to like challenge them in like my belief system and how I'm growing and turning and like and that's I mean, I think that's I think it's it's a beautiful opportunity for that friendship to grow and to blossom. So I want to give you a few quotes and I want to hear your, you have under 20 seconds to respond to the, each of these quotes. You ready? Here we go. Number one, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, 
Love transforms us. It makes us beautiful in the eyes of those who love us. It makes us real. Yes, love that. It, it's incredible. The more I love someone, let's say my friendship, my, my relationship with my girlfriend, um, I see new parts of her that I never knew experience. I see new details. and I think her beauty just keeps on growing and, and it's, it's real and it's authentic and it comes to an authentic place. Okay. Rabbi Joseph Bear Soloveitchik says this. This is intense, but stick with me. Listener, stick, stick with me. He speaks about Adam and Eve and he says they have a lot in common. Otherwise, Eve could not be a helper. However, they're also different. Their existential experiences are incommensurate. The eye awareness in Adam is totally incomprehensible to Eve and vice versa. Each of them has a secret which neither will ever betray. They resemble each other and at the same time do not understand each other. In the interpersonalistic existential tension, both man and woman find redemption. Yo, Woo! tremendous. <laughs> this is this is why this is why he's known as the Rub. The Rub. You know? Oh, hats off. Wow. Yes. Yes, yes, and yes. I mean, that is what it's what keeps life interesting and like, you know, and and and, and yeah, and adventurous. Like, yes, there's so much relatability to my other. And at the same time, like what? Or like Mars and Venus, like two different planets, how we look at things, and like it just keeps being <laughs> spicy and interesting, and like it's keeps things in a place of discovery. So yes, a whole lot of relatability, but a whole lot of discovery and mystery as well. Okay, I'm going to end with this one. Um, this is actually my favorite quote and my father's, but this is my favorite quote. Um, it's from Pirkei Avot. Any love that depends on a specific cause, when that cause is gone, the love is gone. But if love does not depend on something specific, it will never cease. Totally. Ramanus Freeman talks about that as well. When love is like, you know, it has something it belongs on something, then like if that something is gone, then obviously it's gone. That's why he, he brings down the example, I'm quoting around the screen here, but he says, um, when you ask your grandparents, you know, what are you guys doing in the bedroom? They'll say nothing. And what they're not mean is like, they're not trying to hide from the fact that they're having intimate relations, physical relationships, but rather that there is nothing between them. Uh, you know, once there's something there, then once that something is gone, then the relationship is gone. Is it money? Is it beauty? But rather there's right. nothing there that's where, you know, that's where deep relationship can take place. Uh, I love that. I love that. Mayor, you have taught me a lot about love, a lot about how to show love, a lot about how to receive love from all different perspectives um, and all different types of love. There are lots of different types of love out there, a lot of, lots of different relationships out there. So, Mayor, I really appreciate having you on The Power Of. It's been incredible having you. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Noam. Thank you to the team. It's really a pleasure. I really loved doing this podcast with you, creating this podcast with you. And um, I really appreciate it. And I would just say um, anybody who's listening, hey, thanks for, thanks for listening. But also, um, I, I applaud you to take, the, to take the time and the encouragement to go ahead and venture out on the journey of love, love to self, love to other, love to partner, love to God. And it's all really intertwined and connected. And I, I do hope to meet you out in the real world so I can give you a big old hug when that time comes. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, Mayor. Can you tell by my voice how much I love this conversation? I loved speaking with Mayor. It almost felt like we were long lost siblings. But one thing that really struck me is this. On episode four, I spoke to David Beshevkin about happiness. And he made it clear that happiness is not the most natural state for him. It's a struggle. And in speaking to Mayer, I felt the same thing. He purposely built his career and his life around spreading love because it was something he felt like he needed and maybe he lacked. 
That was pretty amazing to me and a good reminder. The things that mean most to us in life, we can and we must seek them out, incorporate them, change our lives from within. That's what I take from this episode and from this series and from all of these conversations. And now if you'll allow me one more reflection on this series, because I'm both exhausted and invigorated. 10 episodes down with epic guests, Moshe Halbertal, Chloe Valdery, Judah Michelle, Kylie Unell, David Beshevkin, Nachi Gordon, and Jakob Langer, Mem Bernstein, Mike Sweetney, Javi Lieber, and now Mayor Kay. Whew, it's been quite the ride. I hope you've seen how there's so much to explore in Western and Jewish thought on all the topics we all think about regularly. From the outset, this series was going to be a daunting task. It required a little bit of awkwardness on my part to get out of my public persona, which has been totally focused on Israel for the last five years, and re-enter the space of Jewish thought, and also take a deep dive into my own personal relationship with Judaism. So I want to end with the power of words, and I want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you for listening, for thinking about these questions, for exploring your own Jewish journey. And most of all, thank you to my producer, Rifki Stern, who made this all possible, who dreamt this dream with me and coached, encouraged, and ensured we would all have the most thoughtful and insightful Jewish educational product on the market. Rifki, you're the best. <laughs> the Power Of is a production of Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. Check out jewishunpacked.com for everything Unpacked related. And subscribe to our other podcasts. Follow Unpacked at all the social media places. Just look for it at Jewish Unpacked. And most of all, write to us. We'd love to hear from you at podcasts at jewishunpacked.com. This episode was produced by Rifki Stern and Audio Magic. That's Rob Perra. I'm your host, Noam Weissman. Thanks for listening. <laughs>